Graveyard Shift has decided to do a single series. Every now and then, me and Jeremy will have our own time to talk about a story. It's a mini-story, no longer than 15 minutes. Just something to kind of quiet your work day or work week. Maybe to unwind and chill. And just listen to something that you might not know the entire origin of. Part of our suit has always been the truth. And this episode is called Dueling Pistols. On November 23rd, a mortal wound struck a young 19-year-old man named Philip. He was the prize of his father's delight, and his father was a hero to him. Philip studied law every day, from 6 a.m. till 9 p.m., and graduated from Columbia University. He made his family very proud, and walking in the footsteps of his father was his every want. He studied and labored, even after he had graduated. There was never enough time in a day for Philip's law career. But alas, we all need a happy hour. A time where we can drink with friends and enjoy each other's company and merriment. But on this night, things would be decided, and because of honor and that same family name, a fate would be delivered, and perhaps too soon. Like his father, Philip had a strong sense of honor and a touch of recklessness. We know it was a comedy, a show. Philip's friend Richard Price would finally get to meet up with his cohort and best friend for a night on the town. Alcohol was involved and plentiful. A man appeared at that same show, sitting in a theater box, where the two friends were making an evening. When Richard noticed that George Eager was in the box, he signaled to Philip, and with a gust of glory and words to split a man in two, within seconds Philip was in the man's face, drunk with rage and numb with courage. The two would say and spout harsh words. After all, Philip was defending his father's honor. The two young men backed off. But later that evening, the two friends demanded a duel by letter and for George Eaker to fulfill that request. Philip's father made no effort to dissuade him, and that would later be the worst mistake of his life. Because maybe pride and ego got the best of Philip's father. Maybe it was with disguised courage to see a man that had viciously attacked his honor and duty to his country fall at the hands of his young son and apprentice. It should be noted that Philip's father did advise Philip to engage in what the French called de l'eau. That is where the man fires in the air harmlessly to miss on purpose. They could also choose to fire second, a decision and advisement that would be his last, for George Eaker wasn't considering the French that day. Duels were known at the time as an affair of honor. You see, a duel was commonplace in America. At that time, the complex rules governing them usually led to an honorable resolution before any actual firing of any weapons. After all, Philip's father had several, if not more, altercations, and the majority of them were resolved peaceably. This was not the Spanish territory, or the Wild West after all. This was the East Coast, fit with intellectual and reasonable thinking constituents. Philip was equipped with an ornate set of pistols. They were borrowed by a brother-in-law, by the name of John Barker Church. Philip faced Eaker. He fell and would never again return to his feet. He died there at the age of 19 on a hillside in Weehawken, New Jersey on November 23, 1801. Philip's death was known to cause his sister to go mad and for his father to never recover. A friend of a family wrote about Philip's father that he was a man completely overwhelmed with grief. But Philip's father's depression wouldn't keep him from engaging in another deadly duel three years later on July 11, 1804. Like his son, with the same church pistols, Philip's father took a bullet to the stomach 
on that same hillside in Weehawken, New Jersey. He died the following morning. To this day, there are many controversies surrounding the church pistols, but what's more is who Philip's father was. Philip was born on January 22nd in 1782. He was named after his mother's father, a Revolutionary War general. She married a poor immigrant from the Caribbean island of Nevis, an immigrant that would join the Continental Army in the American Revolution, and his relentless energy and remarkable intelligence would catch the attention of General George Washington, and he would serve as delegate to the Constitutional Convention and would lead in a fight to win ratification of the final document, which created the kind of strong, centralized government that he favored. Philip's biggest hero, the footsteps he wanted to follow in, were those of Alexander Hamilton's. Courage, pride, and ego have no forgiveness plans. With all the smarts and the intelligence had by these men, it did not stop their inhibition towards violence to prove a point, to dominate a conversation or idea. It is in our blood as men to be protective, to be competitive, and to have the last and final say in a matter. With age and open-mindedness, men can change. If they are raised in different environments, then the need to be right by any cost is dim. But for others, it's not so easy. Duels were commonplace, and even though Alexander Hamilton fired into the air based on the same advice he gave his son, it proved fatal for him as well. For Burr's bullet lodged in Hamilton's stomach near his spine. Aaron Burr was charged with murder in New York and New Jersey while he was sitting vice president of this country. And that was enough for him to be immune from prosecution. Because the laws of this country protect our rights, not our person, and not our opinions of people. We all have a right to a fair and just trial. Understanding the laws that govern are the same ones that give us a presumed innocence. Criminal defense attorneys get a bad rap. But one must understand, whatever their motivation to defend accused persons, they are not defending the person, they are defending the person's rights. And that is a very different thing. All attorneys are burdened by their own private lives, their work, and the people they must defend, and the argument they must put forth to win. But of all the things they are burdened by, the exception is the burden of proof. For as John Adams put it best, facts are stubborn things. And whatever may be our wishes, our inclinations, or the dictates of our passions, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence. This has been a single shot. From all of us here at Graveyard Shift, we hope you've enjoyed the Hamilton story. If you would like to visit and pay your respects to Hamilton, he's located at the Trinity Church Cemetery, which is at Broadway and Wall Street, right in Manhattan. From all of us here at Graveyard Shift, we will be seeing you.